0: Jesus is real There's power in your name with our way. We trust in your ways we need Jesus is
1: real But what I do know is that humility is bred in the, in the presence of God That's what I do know That when a human being who's been redeemed by Jesus gets into the presence of God, humility is formed because you begin to realize who you truly are. You begin to realize that the breath that we have is a gift, that in him we live and we move and we have our being. Any gift that is at work in our lives is not our own or self-generated. It's given to us by God.
0: So you know that it's good to be humble. You see this clearly in different passages in the Bible and in how Jesus lived. But how do you get there? How do you grow in true humility? Well, today, Pastor Daniel gets at this question in this study of 3rd John. You'll learn that it starts with being in the presence of Jesus. The more you're in his presence, the more you'll realize that who you are and everything you have has nothing to do with you. It's all a gift from him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 3rd John as he continues his message, The Way to Be.
1: People that at every chance he had, when people were traveling through the early church and they were coming, Gaius was one of those people who would receive them and he would bless them and he would send them out in a way that was worthy of somebody who is following the Lord and serving the Lord. Now, being generous is something that goes all through the Bible, and Gaius has this beautiful testimony of he faithfully does this stuff. Look in the middle of verse six. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. See, guys is being encouraged because of the generosity in which he lived. Now, you got to ask yourself, are you somebody who would be characterized as being generous. And I'm not only talking financially, I'm talking with your time and with your talents and sure with your money. Are you somebody who has time to be generous or every time something goes on, do you see it as an inconvenience? See, the reality is, is part of the witness of the people of God is this radical generosity. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verses one and two, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. That last verse, it's speaking about how Abraham, how he was sitting in his tent, and there were angels who were there, and Abraham, in the heat of the day, while he was resting, took time to bless these angels, and he received this amazing promise. Listen to Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in my name, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. See, the Bible actually speaks to the fact that when you are hospitable or generous with someone else, it's as if you're being generous with the Lord himself. So is generosity a characteristic of our lives? See, Jesus is and will always be the most generous person in the world, why? Because he gave his own life for us. I mean, that's the gospel, right? The good news is that humans needed help, and Jesus came and he lived the life, a perfectly lived life. He always did those things which pleased his Father. And then he died on the cross, not for his own mistakes, but for our mistakes, for our blessing, for as a gift for us... And all of that he did because God's love is extravagant and generous. And then he says, "Now I want you to go and do likewise. And then for a lot of us, we're like, okay, great. I got saved. Good. All right. And we never think that now, now that God's generosity has been, has impacted me. Now I'm going to live my life with the same generosity that the Lord has displayed to me. See, generosity, I mean, I've been to many funerals, like, man, this is the most generous person you've ever met. He'd give you the shirt off his back. Isn't that like something you want to hear about yourself? Like, this person was bent on trying to be a blessing. Every time they had the opportunity, they wanted to be a blessing. See, but for many of us, what goes on, of course, is that we, we begin to follow Jesus and oh, we're like, well, it's all, it's about me. It's about what I want and my thing, and it's this mine. But God wants to move us from a kind of a a stinginess, a self-centeredness, to a generosity. See, when you're generous, the reward that you get for your generosity is seeing God's kingdom touch down in someone else's life. See, it has its own reward built into it. So would you be characterized by generosity? I mean, I think even when you think about crossroads is a church with the generosity. We don't do talk about money a lot here, but literally this church runs on the gifts of probably about 25% of the congregation. Literally, 25% of this congregation funds everything, and 75% don't play a part in that at all. And I think that that's kind of tragic, don't you? I mean, being a family, everyone has a part to play in that. But We realize that generosity is a quality of God. It's who the Lord is. And God wants us to be generous as well. So I want to encourage you. Are you being generous? Are you finding, making margin in your life to be able to step into generosity? I always tell people, just take a step in that direction. Just like I said, be healthy. I said, pray verse two over you, right? And if there's things that you can do, then start to do those things. Make it actionable. Same thing with generosity. Just take a step. Just say, Lord, I'm going to honor you in this area. I realize that you are the most generous person in the world, Lord. And I'm going to take a step. I'm going to be more generous. I'm going to be hospitable to people. I'm going to try and find ways to help people because God has found a way to help me in Jesus. Christians should be known as the most generous people ever because we have experienced the most extravagant generosity. I love verse 8. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers in the truth. See, I love this. Not everyone is called to go, but everyone is called to be a part of the endeavor. So for Gaius, Gaius was in one location, but when people were traveling through, he was like, man, when you give, then you become a part of that endeavor. So we all link together as the body of Christ. We get to share in the work as long as we are sharing in the work, not just receiving of the work, but we're playing into it. So we don't only want to be healthy, we want to be generous. Now, in verse 9, look at what happens. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephus, who loves to have the preeminent among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. See, now you have Gaius and all this joy about Gaius's life, right? And then you have this other guy, Diotrephes, who... He's not getting praise, he's actually getting challenged by the Apostle John. Why? Because it says in verse 9, he loves to have the preeminence among them, and because he loves to have the preeminence, he will not receive not only the Apostle John, but also the people who work with him. What does this teach us, my friends? We need to be humble. We need to be humble. See, Diotrephus, his issue was that he wasn't humble. He wanted the preeminence. He wanted to be the top dog in that church. And so when you have the apostle John, who walked with Jesus, right, and you have the people who are working with John, the missionaries bringing the gospel all out, there's this guy, Diotrephus, who's like, no, no, no. I don't want that guy around here. That kind of undercuts my power. And so Diotrephus is an example of somebody who's walking in pride he's walking in self-aggrandizement and because of that the way that he is acting is undercutting the gospel i mean because look at what happens when you're proud that pride isn't just a heart condition it plays itself out into real life look at what it says in verse 10 notice therefore if i come i will call to mind the deeds which he does look at what he does first Pratting against us with malicious words. See, because he wants the preeminent, he's going to make sure that he undercuts anybody who is pushing against that power. So, now what he's doing is he's literally, he's literally trying to speak maliciously about who they are. See, that word pratting literally means talking nonsense. That's what it means. So, he's talking nonsense about the Apostle John and the people who are working with him, notice, with malicious words. See, so what's in his heart is coming out of his mouth. And Jesus said that, right? That the mouth is a window into what's in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? But not only that, so he's speaking nonsense, right? And he's using malicious words, but he's not content with that. Not only that, then he doesn't receive them. So what's in his heart, it begins with his words. And then when missionaries are coming through, people who John worked with, he would stop them. So that's the second thing that he does. He does not receive the brethren, but then he is so bent on his pride that by the end of verse 10 it says, and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. He is so bent on his kingdom of self that when, not only would he not be hospitable or generous, but he would also excommunicate people from the church who wanted to be like Jesus and be generous. See, the kingdom of self is highly fortified, and it's got many armaments. And you got to ask yourself, how is pride wreaking havoc on the life that you're living? See, that's why we need to be humble. It reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I love that verse. Because what it says is you can exalt yourself, right? Or you can let the Lord exalt you. But the Lord will exalt those who have humbled themselves. See, you can self-exalt and you might get somewhere for a time. But the reality is, is it says that God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. So an attempt at self-exaltation will work for a season, but the Lord won't abide it. Because the Lord loves to dwell with the broken and the contrite of heart. So are you humble? You know, I always think you hear this thing like, stay hungry, you know? It's like a phrase. And in some ways, that is a mark of heart humility. When you're always like, man, I just need to keep going. Like, I need to keep getting at this thing. But when you start feeling like, hey, I've arrived, all right, let's relax and sit in our easy chair. That becomes a problem. So are you Humble? See, people ask me sometimes, they say, Pastor Daniel, you know, like, how do you become humble? And I don't really feel like I'm a humble person, you know, like, and i it's just like, pray for me. Actually, don't pray that God would humble me because that'd be real awful. You know, if all you guys link up with that or two or three, you know, who knows what will happen, but it won't be pretty, you know, for me, It'd be fun for you, terrible for me, you know, but it's like, I, I don't feel like there's some people who are more naturally humble and I don't feel like I'm one of those people. But what I do know is that humility is bred in the presence of God. That's what I do know. That when a human being who's been redeemed by Jesus gets into the presence of God, humility is formed because you begin to realize who you truly are. You begin to realize that the breath that we have is a gift, that in him we live and we move and we have our being. Any gift that is at work in our lives is not our own or self-generated. It's given to us by God. That the ability to hone a gift to make it a skill or a vocation, even that, that ability was given to us by God. But only in the presence of God is that born because laptops of our devices. Like, oh, wow, you're so talented at that. Oh, yeah, I'm really talented at that. Oh, and I've practiced 15,000 hours. I mean, I'm a master according to Malcolm Gladwell, you know. It's like, well, no, no, no. The ability and the determination to stick to something long enough to become very good at it, even that's a gift from the Lord. But you always learn that in the presence of God, not as you're walking through life and receiving accolades for giftings. So we want to allow the Spirit of God to cultivate that humility in our life. Are we being humble? Are we being humble? Now notice what it says next in verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, and he who does not good has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself, but and we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. Oh, I like this one, my friends. We need to be good. We need to be good. How many of you ever heard that before from your parents? Be good, right? Yeah, all of us. I say this to my kids. Oh, my, come on, be good. See, I love this because you have this Diotrephus guy, right? And he's not doing good. And then, of course, in verse 11, he's talking to guys. He's like, beloved, don't imitate what is evil, but what is good. Now, listen, all of us are imitators. All of us are imitators. You realize that, right? Everybody imitates something or someone. Nothing happens in a vacuum. We look at people who've come before us. We look at people who are successful or people who we want to aspire to be like and we kind of lean off of them. And here we're reminded to make sure that we imitate not what is evil but what is good. And he's saying, guys, listen, don't be like Diotrephus who's a scoundrel but notice Demetrius, he's got a good testimony, right? So make sure that you choose imitators or people to imitate who are worthy of imitation, and I think this is huge. This is a huge thing. Do you have those role models that you're looking to and saying, I want to be like that person? For a long time, how many of you guys remember the, the I want to be like Mike ads for Michael Jordan? Right, Michael Jordan, when I was growing up, he was the preeminent basketball player. I remember watching the all-star game slam dunk contest where he jumped from the foul line and he dunked it. And I remember they showed that thing over and over and over again. And every time I was like, how did he do that? Right? And this whole thing of to be like Mike, it's still amazing. Still to this day, you know, like LeBron James is one of the most famous basketball players in the world right now and Kobe Bryant. And everyone says, man, you know, Michael Jordan is like this gold standard and they're modeling their life. If you want to be a professional basketball player, Michael Jordan is the standard of a guy who worked hard, who never quit on the whole thing and, and the whole thing spiritually we need the same thing. We want to make sure that we are imitating not what is evil, but what is good. And I think that this is important because it says, he who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. So you hear what he's saying there. He's saying that your belief lived out that when someone is doing good, they're of God. Now, it's not saying that you get saved by doing good things. It's saying that when you know God... Because God is good, you're going to be doing things that will be like God. This reminds us of Mark chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Listen to what it says. And now as he was going on the road, one came running before him and said to him, speaking of Jesus, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You hear that? He says, good teacher, what must I do? And he's like, well, why are you calling me good? There's only one good person. It's the Lord. Now, I think what Jesus is saying is two things. One, you see something in me that you haven't seen before because Jesus was the only one who was God in flesh. But two, he's saying, listen, nobody's good except for God. God. And listen, if you are in Christ, you should be known for a litany of good deeds. Things that you do that are good. Things that you do that are a blessing, that bring glory to God and bring blessing into our community. Because when you do good, it says, it's powerful. He who does good is of God. And notice, but he who does evil has not yet seen God. So we should be good. Our lives should be full of good works that bring glory to the Lord. I think that's really, really important, isn't it? I mean, the Bible actually says that if all the good works of Jesus, all the books in the world couldn't contain it. It's the very last verse of John's gospel. So our Lord Jesus, he was good and he did good. And it's a beautiful, Demetrius gets this little verse has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself see as opposed to Diotrephus who doesn't have a good testimony this guy demetrius has a good testimony and brothers and sisters you should have a good testimony The testimony of your life and the testimony of who you are and what you involve yourself in, your social media testimony. All these things should be something that proves that you know God because it's full of goodness because there is one good and that is the God who is our Father. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 5, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. See, when we imitate him who is good, we will love because him who is good is full of love. Is your life and your testimony strewn with good, good works? Things that bless people. And you see how all this, when you're healthy, right? And you're humble and you're generous, then all of a sudden you have these good works that are everywhere. Now I have one more for you as this letter closes out. Look what it says in verse 13 and 14, I had many things to write to you, but I don't wish to write to you with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly. And we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. I love this because Second John ended very, very similarly. John chapter 20, verse 30. It's a similar ending from John but don't when you read verses 13 and 14 this closing it's kind of sweet isn't it it's like i have many things to write but i don't want to write to you with pen and ink i want to see you shortly so that we can speak face to face my friends the last way to be is we should be kind we should be kind i mean i think this ending is so sweet of him it's kind of like this is like the apostle man and it's like he's like no no listen i don't want to write to you with pen and paper i don't want to write you an email I don't want to write you a text. I don't want to send you 25 emojis, you know. But I want to see you face-to-face. And he's like, and I love this. I want to see you face-to-face. Before that, peace be to you. Like, be blessed. All of my people, our friends, they greet you. And I want you to greet all of our friends by name. I mean, this is simple kindness. And it reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, where it says that love suffers long and what? Is kind. Love is kind. And kindness takes a little bit of time, but it goes a long way. And I'm going to be honest. Each one of these things on this list are not things that I do perfectly. I don't always take care of myself. I'm not always generous, right? Not humble. I don't always do good. And I'll be honest with you, just this week, me and Lynn were talking, she says, Daniel, you are not being very kind right now. And you know what? She was right. In the midst of life, I was not doing the little things to be kind. And so you have to know, I'm not preaching down on anyone being like, yeah, I got all these things. Like, yeah, follow me. No, it's like, we're all growing and learning in it. But you know what I do know, my friends? That this is absolutely the way to be, right? Because when we get to the end of our days, the testimony of Jesus in our lives should be that as long as we were here, we were healthy and vibrant to be a part of the work of God's kingdom, right? Right? And that we were generous. We were involved in the things that God values the most. Right? And that we are humble people, knowing that if we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. And our life is full of good because we follow the one whom goodness, if you were to look up in the dictionary, there'd be a picture of Jesus there. And that we are kind because love is kind. And the greatest of these is love. It's amazing how powerful a small letter, 14 verses, right, can be. But that is the way to be. And I'm here to tell you that if you are in Christ, this is Christ in you, in your life.
0: Jesus is real. Be kind is a message that you're probably hearing a lot. It's on t-shirts, signs, and social media. But this message originated in the Bible. Pastor Daniel shared that John showed kindness to the people in his life. He took the time to give them the same kindness that Jesus had shown him. He cared for the people he came across, and when they were separated, he longed to see them again. Hey everybody, I wanna invite you to join me in reaching people with the message
1: that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach
0: more and more people. Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at Jesus'sRealRadio.com. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Daniel wrapped up this series called Little is the New Big. Over and over you saw that Even the smallest books in the Bible are filled with deep truths that enrich your life and help you grow in your walk with God. From personal identity, allegiances, and justice to truth, love, and humility, these short passages had so much to say about how you live and move in the world. So let God use these truths to transform your life. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.